Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Chargers Podcast Network. My name is Steven. I am the host, as always, and joining me is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Uh, bad news is I'm paying California taxes for Seattle weather. The good news is we have Trevor <laughs> Sikama on to talk about the draft in a bit. Yes. Uh, taxes, tax season coming up. Not looking forward to that. The rain, not looking forward to that. You know, it is what it is. I shouldn't complain. I'm from Utah. My parents have gotten like 16 inches of snow in the valley over the last two weeks. So uh, we're doing good over here. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, like Tyler mentioned, we have a great interview for you guys today with Mr. Trevor Sikama of Pro Football Focus. Um, we had a great kind of dip the toes into the draft conversation today. So Tyler and I, like we've talked about this previously, we're about 20-ish prospects into our own study. Guys like Trevor, there are already hundreds of guys, you know, into their study and have, you know, top 100 boards and everything like that. So they're the ones that we like to talk to to uh, start the process off. So really excited about that. Uh, before we get to that point, as always, Tyler and I are fans of the team, first and foremost, just like you guys are. The opinions that we share on this show every single week are not always reflective of the Chargers organization themselves. They are ours first and foremost. Um, and we're very grateful to have this opportunity to reflect those opinions. So uh, that being said, let's uh, get to this interview with Mr. Trevor Sikama. All right, guys, uh, very happy now to be joined by Mr. Trevor Sikama, who is the lead draft analyst for PFF. You've obviously heard his work if you're listening to Joe, or at least I hope you have heard his work on the stock exchange. And if you're a real nerd, if you're a real sicko, you've heard his work way back when on the draft locked on podcast with Benjamin Solak. Uh, I've certainly been listening to Trevor and his work for several years now, and it's been a true treat to arrange this and have him on today. So Trevor, thanks so much for joining us, man. How's it doing? How's it going? It's it's going great. I appreciate you uh, having me on. I appreciate the kind words as well, but just excited to uh, chop it up here with you guys. Yeah, I'm excited. I told Trevor before we started, look, I'm just happy to have anybody on who knows all this stuff. So I don't have to do the work right now. Really appreciate it, Trevor. <laughs> no, that's, uh, you know what? My, my hard blood, sweat, and tears trying to learn all of the insides and outs of these prospects. It is to, uh, y'all's pleasure so no it yeah. is it is uh you know it's it, it's my pleasure i guess being able to do that with you guys so no problem at all i love talking about it yeah obviously if you guys can't tell today's episode is going to be primarily focused on the draft um tyler and i have dipped our toes in um you know we we are behind the eight ball a little bit this year but uh you know we, we've watched some of the top prospects and i think we're each around 20 graded so it is what it is, but Trevor gets to do this, you know, full time and, and study these prospects. And like I mentioned, does some great work over at PFF and the the uh, Stock Exchange podcast. Cannot recommend them enough. So we're going to pick his brain, and uh, thankfully, we're going to pick his brain a few times leading up to the draft. So really excited about having him on here a couple of times over the next few months to talk about the draft. And uh, obviously, we'll we'll jump right in here. <clears throat> I think Trevor, we'll we'll start with kind of a, a generic question here. Every single year, there's a position group that's kind of, you know, hotly discussed as as kind of the best group or, or one that's maybe kind of an underwhelming group. W what, in your eyes, is the strength of the 2024 draft class as you see it right now on uh, January 22nd? Well, thankfully for Chargers fans, <clears throat> I think it's wide receiver. You know, I'm, I'm talking with other draft analysts. I'm going through my own rankings and... You know, I was just having a conversation with anybody who follows PFF knows Mike Renner as well. I was just having a conversation with him the other day. He texted me. He's like, dude, I've got to stop watching wide receivers because like every time I watch <laughs> another one, I, I have to put them in the top 100. And I told yeah. him, I said back to him the exact same thing. I have had a 
little bit of a bad habit that I've had to recognize of like, I keep watching these wide receivers and I keep telling myself, okay, I can't have their film grade this high. Like there can't be another one. Right. And no, when you stay true to the film grade and when you watch these guys and how well they're playing wide receiver is, is, is incredibly deep. It's incredibly talented. We have three wide receivers, I think, at the very top of this class who would be wide receiver one in basically every other draft class. I've got Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State as my wide receiver one in this draft, but Malik Neighbors from LSU ain't that far behind. Romo Odunze from Washington ain't that far behind. And if you plop either of those two dudes, Odunze or Neighbors, into most other draft classes, they're wide receiver one, and it's not even close. Certainly, if you want to go back to short-term memory last year, 2023, I had Jackson Smith and Jigba as my number one wide receiver last year. JSN would be wide receiver five, six this year mm. from just the guys that I've already uh, been able to get these final grades on. So it's it, it's an incredibly talented wide receiver class. But beyond that, I'm not just saying this because I'm a draft guy and I want people to be excited about the draft. It is really strong at the premium positions. Quarterback, mm. there's a lot of guys at the top that you can invest in. We see Drake May and Caleb Williams' name at the very top. I think Jaden Daniels' name is going to get higher and higher on that list and still we until we keep talking about him as a potential top five pick uh, corner very deep very talented as well pass rusher there's a lot of guys in the first round there may not be a nick bosa miles garrett type of guy to go number one but a lot of good edge rushers as well a lot of great offensive tackles which you don't normally get normally it's like a couple of good guys but man i feel like that group is deep going all the way through the top 50 as well so those premium positions really stacked this year and it's making for a lot of fun conversations Thank goodness, because the Chargers are looking at a tackle, potentially a wide receiver, an edge rusher. So that that all sounds great. Last year with the wide receiver class, maybe it wasn't a, a top heavy class, but we knew it was a very deep class. I don't think anyone expected the kind of production immediately from so many players from day one to day three from that class. Is that something that you think could hold again with this class? Or do you think that was more of a one off last year? No, I absolutely think that it could hold up in this class. Now, of course, you've got a late draft, a guy in Puka Nakua who just <laughs> broke the rookie wide receiver records for, for total yards. But it's, it, so I'm not saying that that is going to hold. I don't know if we're going to get another record breaker next year, but you know, you sure. look at guys like him, you look at guys like Tank Dell, like Michael Wilson, like some of these like mid round wide receivers who, who have been playing really, really well this year. I could see similar levels of success. You know, there are just because I'm going to have a lot of these guys ranked in the top 50, you know, that teams, like to take best player available but they also do need to fill their roster needs so it's not like all of these guys are going to be able to go so just from a trickle down effect especially because the other premium positions are pretty strong you're going to get wide receivers in the third and fourth round in this upcoming year that we're going to look back on and we're going to be like man how did he last until the fourth round and in reality the film never said fourth round it was always just a there's just too many of these guys for them to all be able to go in whatever, you know, the top 75, the top 50, and it's just going to kind of um, push everybody a little bit further back. So it is wild to say after a year where a lot of really great rookie wide receivers from the 2023 class were able to stand out, I do expect this next class coming in to have that sort of potential and maybe even more of a widespread, not necessarily, like I said, record-breaking, but more widespread, a youth movement from the wide receiver position of a lot of these guys coming in and being able to establish themselves pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that creates some real intrigue for the chargers and what they could potentially do with the fifth overall pick, because like Tyler mentioned, you know, they do potentially need a wide receiver. This is a team that could be without 
Keenan Allen and or Mike Williams, depending on what happens over the next couple of months here. Um, they could also need a right tackle. They could also need an edge rusher. Like the Chargers, I think, are in a really good spot at five to potentially trade back. But if they want to stick and pick one of those wide receivers, uh, you know, they're certainly in a good spot. And Daniel Jeremiah had the Chargers taking Rome Odunze at five over Malik Neighbors in his first mock draft. And that sent Chargers Twitter ablaze, uh, which I think is a little unfair to Rome Odunze. So specifically about Odunze versus Neighbors, Trevor, what kind of uh, differentiates the one from the other? And, and how would you have them stacked up in that regard? Yeah, I think they're both incredibly talented. They win in a little bit different ways, right? Neighbors is a little bit smaller than Odunze is, and I think that's part of what Odunze brings to the table. At six foot three, two hundred fifteen pounds, you know, I watched him going into summer scouting this year, knowing that he was draft eligible. We watch a lot of these players over the summer, and we kind of come up with preliminary rankings of what we want to see them improve upon this year to become the best versions of whatever we can see for them. And for Odunze. In the 2020 film that he put out, 2022, I should say, you see a smooth-moving guy who is 6'3", 215 pounds. I mean, just the wiggle that he has, the the crispness on his routes, uh, how he could pull a double move on you, and you're just not expecting it from a guy that size. I mean, he was really nice at diversifying his route tree his sophomore year. But I... I was uh, I, w- I was left wanting more in terms of contested catches. It's like okay, yeah, you move, you have better finesse game than you typically get with a player of your size. But I still want that to be a bonus, right? I still want you at six foot three, two hundred fifteen pounds, go up and get the football. Like go get some contested catches. I still want you to use that frame. Yeah. And this past year, twenty twenty three, he did that. Had way more contested catch opportunities, brought a lot more of a man, much higher contested catch percentage, and that just showed some determination at the catch point that you absolutely love. So when you think about that kind of a skill set, getting in with the the Los Angeles Chargers, their receiver room might look a lot different next year. You know, I think okay, yeah, I think a lot of people would want Keenan Allen back. Keenan Allen's kind of a do it all wide receiver. You know that Quentin Johnston, he's the young rookie. I know that he was disappointing for a lot of people, but still, he's not going anywhere. He's on his rookie contract. There might be a bit of a shifting of roles for him. You might see him as more of an underneath guy than maybe a vertical guy because he was sort of struggling in that area um, this past year. I kind of look at how the Kansas City Chiefs are using Rasheed Rice, where Rasheed Rice was more of a vertical Mm -hmm. sideline receiver at SMU. And when he got into Kansas City, they're like, okay, well, you could actually help us best as being a yards after the catch kind of a player. I wonder if Johnston moves more into that area. And if he does, then all of a sudden there is a need for a – young sideline contested catch kind of a player with good size and that could be Odunze so I see a world where that does make sense I'd still be picking Malik Neighbors when I watch Malik Neighbors I think that his movement skills are special the way he is able to change direction and yet continue to accelerate reminds me of Antonio Brown like it there are just not many players who have that sort of athletic ability Uh, where you can continue to accelerate. You don't have to throttle down. Like you are changing direction and yet you are continuing to move at a very high speed. That makes you a separation specialist. And I think that neighbors has that ability. Now you saw many, many times LSU would put him in a slot. They'd get him on those slot fades and he would just, man, he would get off press coverage. He'd get even with somebody and then boom, he kind of put his foot in the ground. And then it's just continuous separation all the way until the catch point. That's always going to play in the NFL. 
if you can separate at that kind of an elite level, doesn't matter if you're the team's wide receiver one, doesn't matter if you're a two, doesn't matter if you're primarily in a slot, like you're, you're going you're gonna to be somebody that the offense utilizes. And so with his skill set, how much success he was able to have this past year, thinking about him in an offense with Justin Herbert is uh, very exciting. So I would still yeah. be taking Malik Neighbors, even though I do see a path where the Odunze selection does make sense. Yeah, I would yeah. certainly agree there. When you were doing your fix a franchise on the NFL Stock Exchange for the Chargers, Brock Bowers was not available at the time. The Chargers, I think, were picking maybe eighth at the time. How do you stack up then Brock Bowers against these two receivers, in your opinion? He's going to be right there when it comes to film grades. You know, I'm still getting through the tight end position when it comes to those final regular season film grades. But even from what I have seen just there, you know, watching him live, you know, putting him somewhere on the big board, the summer scouting from what I've seen the last two years. Brock special. I mean, he really is basically the only worry that you have about Brock Bowers is Georgia's got him listed at, I think it's six foot three or six foot four, 240 pounds. And so those measurables compared to NFL tight ends are much smaller. So if if you're kind of worried about that, that's really the only holes that you could find in this guy's armor, man. I mean, the rest of it's phenomenal. The contested catches, the yards after catch ability, the route tree, the toughness over the middle, how he is as an inline inline blocker, like pound for pound on the line of scrimmage, how he is as a lead blocker. You know, they'll use him as a puller sometimes going across the line of scrimmage as a lead blocker. So whatever you need this guy to do, he is a full-time tight end for you. And I just think that no matter what team drafts him, there's no limitations really on where you could play him. I feel like he's going to play more in the slot or maybe as an H back off the line of scrimmage or a wing back, I should say, like right behind the line of scrimmage. You can get him in those split zone blocking plays where he's coming across the line of scrimmage. You can get him detached from the line. So he's got more of a free release when he's getting up the seam or to the sideline and an out route, whatever it is. But he has that athletic ability to be able to do those things. And you talk about a chess piece type of a player you set that guy up against most linebackers and safeties in the NFL, and he's either going to outmuscle the safeties or he's going to beat the linebacker to a spot when the ball is coming there. So he is also a fantastic option for them. I know just talking with Chargers fans and reading Chargers fans' thoughts on this, they are certainly um, open to him being the selection at five, even though at five for a tight end is traditionally rich. Yeah, You look at Brock Bowers, and just in our system alone, PFF system, He's been in college for three years. He's basically been a full-time starter for three years, although you know sometimes it's like on and off the field with, with Darnell Washington when he was a little bit younger. He recorded an elite PFF grade all three seasons. All three seasons. And for, for an 18-year-old to come into Georgia, okay, this is a talent factory. This is one of the richest talent factories in, in all of college football. For this dude to come in as a true freshman and be so good the Kirby Smart had to put him on the field, not only put him on the field here in an elite PFF grade doing so, then followed it up with another, then followed it up with another. Uh, it just, it don't get more consistent than that. So I think that that's why he is worthy of a top 10 overall selection and why he should be considered at number five as well. Yeah, I went and looked at uh, just stacking up Brock Bauer's career versus the other top tight ends in recent memory. You're talking about Sam Laporta, Kyle Pitts, Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer. That group, if you put his three seasons up there in terms of like yards after catch, yards per route run, missed tackles forced, first downs created, Brock Bowers is at the top in like each of his three seasons. Like this is, uh, I forget who specifically wrote it, but there was a PFF article asking if Brock Bowers was the greatest college tight end ever. And I think you could make a realistic argument that the answer there is an easy yes. 
because of what he was able to do over the three years at Georgia. Last year at this time, we were having very similar debates of like tight end versus wide receiver at 21. Now we're doing it again at five and people at 21 were like, I don't know about a tight end at 21. But like you're saying, you know, Brock Bowers is not your stereotypical tight end that comes out of the draft each year. Right. No, he is not. He is somebody who is special and that you have to, uh, you have to really have in his own category, which he also is in this class, right? I mean, we talk about the depth of tight end. That was not one of the positions that I mentioned is like a strength of this right. class. It's basically, if you want a first round guy, you're drafting Bowers, you know, Jutavian Sanders, former five-star as well, really good athlete from University of Texas. Uh, I think he had his best year this past year. He's really coming along. He's young. So it's like, okay, all of that is really nice. His production didn't really warrant, I don't think, a first-round selection. Maybe somebody will take a chance on him in the back end of the first, but you're really projecting what he could be. You're not looking at exactly what he did at Texas if you are doing that. But outside of those two guys even, you're talking about a lot of good football players, but not guys that you're using with priority picks. So if you really need to address that position in a premium way, I think Brock is on the table for basically any team at this point. Yeah. Let's move on to, to defense now, because I think Chargers fans, we haven't even talked about offensive tackle yet, but I think Chargers fans <laughs> want offense. It's tight end, it's wide receiver, it's one of the tackles. But the Chargers do need a lot of help on defense, and who knows what free agency is going to um, change for the Chargers. If you had to take a defender, or if you just knew, hey, I have to take a defensive player, because our defense, we need some help. How would you play it at five? And then maybe how would you play it in terms of moving to a certain spot to get maybe one of the CB ones or another player where you feel the board makes more sense for a defensive player? Yeah, this is, that's a really good question. I haven't gone through this scenario, but you know, when I think about it, if you really want a, so are you saying any defensive player? Or are you saying like corner specifically for this team? What do you think? Any defensive player, but there's been a lot of chatter among Chargers fans about trading back for a corner. So that's just an option. Yeah. So, cause that's kind of where my mind went to originally. You know, you get to the back end of the top 10 and you've got the Falcons and the um, the Chicago Bears sitting there at eight and nine. And I think those are prime candidates for the first defensive player to come off the board. Now, I think it's going to be an edge rusher in both of those cases. So, you know, a guy like Dallas Turner, a guy like Layatu Latu from UCLA, um, a guy like Jared Verse from Florida State. I think those guys are all in that conversation uh, to be that first defender taken probably around that range. I don't know if you need to at five, but it kind of just depends which position you're really honing in on. Cause this cornerback class is really good. There's a lot of good names, but if you're trading back, you probably don't want to trade back that far. Uh, I'm thinking about the Titans are sitting there at seven. You know, you get the giants at six. Do you, do, can you, can you entice the Titans to believe that if they want to go get an offensive tackle that they want to draft, you got to jump over the giants. Like, Oh, the giants, yeah, Evan Neal didn't have a good year. They're going to draft another offensive tackle. You might have to, uh, you might have to put on your good poker face and see if you, you can get them to go in at that point. Maybe you drop down from five to seven, get a little extra draft capital. If you still want to take any of the first defensive players, but if it comes to corner, Man, I think these are pretty wide open for you. Obviously, you're going to have your preference, right? Some people are going to say, oh, Terry and Arnold from Alabama is the best corner in this class. Oh, Cooper DeGene, nobody can match what he does as an all-around, you know, outside corner, slot, run defense, all that good stuff, ball skills. Um, some people might look at Nate Wiggins and say, man, that is the best cover corner in the draft. So everybody's going to have a little bit of their preference. But let's say you don't. Let's say that you just want a 
starting caliber CB1 potential type of corner. You could probably trade back anywhere between 10 to 20. Like, there's a lot of good ones that are available. I, I mentioned Arnold. I mentioned DeGene. I mentioned Nate Wiggins. You know, Ennis Rakeshaw Jr. from from Missouri is somebody who's in consideration there. Kool-Aid McKinstry from Alabama as well. Uh, Quinion Mitchell from Toledo. So got some of the best ball production that we have graded over the last two years at PFF. Has elite coverage grades in the last two years. Most forced incompletions in the FBS. So it's just, there's a lot of corners where if that's what you want, you have a lot more power to trade back. If you want like a top edge rusher, maybe DT1 in this class, like whatever it is, you can't get really further than 12, I would say is like the the lowest that you could get. You would have to pretty much stay in that range if you wanted one of those guys. Yeah, and obviously a lot of this, like Tyler mentioned, is going to be very influenced by who the new GM is, new the head coach is, but you know, the Chargers are going to be in a similar spot where they could be without Khalil Mack. They could be without Joey Bosa next year. Edge rusher is definitely a, a premium need at this point. Cornerback, they are going to be obviously without J.C. Jackson, who they traded. Uh, Sante Samuel Jr. is going to be on an expiring contract. Michael Davis is a free agent. Like, the Chargers defense does need some help. I know, like, the fans want offense and things like that, but the defense is going to need to be addressed a lot as well. So trading back could be the way for them to do that. So I'm excited about the defensive line group on day two right now. That's that's kind of like the, the group that I'm excited about for, for you know, your early day two selection. Um, Trevor, is there a position group that you're just like really fired up about, you know, some day two guys that could uh, be some difference makers this year? Yeah, I mean, I wonder if... I, I like this interior offensive line class. I honestly mm. do. Like guards and center combination, there's a ton of versatility. So I think day two is going to be littered with a lot of these guys because there's some names that could potentially sneak into the top of the first round. I think Troy Fountainow, the left tackle for Washington, who's probably going to move inside uh, at the NFL level. He's a name that we see in first round mock drafts. I like Graham Barton a lot, also the left tackle from Duke, but we're going to see him at the senior bowl. And I think he's also going to move inside. He's probably going to be a guard, could even be a center. Jackson Powers Johnson, the interior offensive lineman, center specifically from Oregon, a little bit bigger. He's six foot three, 320 pounds. Center's normally not that big, not that tall, but that gives him the flexibility to also play guard as well. So those three players, I think, have chances to go round one. But there's even a lot of guys on this list that I like beyond that. You know, Christian Haynes is somebody who's graded really, really well for us. He's a left guard at UConn over the last two years. Um, I think that he's got a chance to be a really good NFL player. Um, Tate Ratledge, the offensive guard from Georgia, his teammate, Cedric Van Pran, the center, the longtime center for that team. He's been the center since his freshman season for all their national championship runs. And he was chosen to represent the team as a team captain. He was represented the team at SEC Media Days. Kirby Smart just speaks so highly of how smart he is and how great he is in the middle at that center position. So Christian Mahogany, somebody who I think would have probably been a top 75 selection last year had he not gone through the injury, but he comes back and I think he looked healthy again. He is just an absolute ass kicker, man. He is such a mauler in the run game. And yeah, I think there's other guys too. Zach Zinter, the offensive guard from Michigan, he's coming off injury. So that obviously sucks because I think that he's a great player, but um, Zach, Zach Frazier, the center from West Virginia, who's got some really nice tape, who I think could be a starter at the NFL level. So that to me is a really intriguing group on day two of an interior offensive lineman. Like if you need a starting caliber center and guard, you do not have to overdraft one over a premium position player in the first round. I think you can wait a little. And those are a handful of names that I really like in this class. Yeah, the Chargers are, are I think they have to take a center on day yeah. two at this point because they 
one is medically retiring potentially, not officially, but seems like Corey Lindsay trending that way. The other one had a season ending injury. So they're going to need to take one. As far as maybe position groups that aren't as great, maybe like last year's linebacker class, for example, wasn't perceived as a, as a great group. Uh, who do the Chargers maybe need to spend some money on in free agency because <laughs> this position group isn't so great in the draft? Yeah, I would say linebacker still. I mean, it's it, it, it's it's not a great linebacker class. You've got some guys who I like. Um, and Jeremiah Trotter Jr., a very familiar name. Uh, Jeremiah Trotter Sr., his dad, played a long time in the NFL. He is following his dad's footsteps in a lot of ways. I think when you watch him play for Clemson over the last couple of years, you see that he understands the game, that he was brought up uh, at a very high football environment. And I think he's played very, very well over the last two years, specifically in coverage when it comes to recognition, run defense, things like that. He's just smaller. You know, he just he does not have long arms. He's not super tall. He's not like a hulking dude in terms of strength and weight. He just comes in a smaller size. And if you're okay with that, he's a really good football player. And, and you can't let size totally outweigh what we see on tape, right? I think Kalijah Canty has been an example this year of like, mm. man, yeah, complete outlier with size, but damn, he's holding up well at Pitt. And obviously he's been playing really well for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year. So Jeremiah Trotter Jr. I might end up being linebacker one for me now that we've had some people go back. You know, you look at Edron Cooper in the year that he's had at Texas A&M, bigger, longer dude. Definitely a downhill linebacker, though. Not somebody that you really want to play deep in coverage. You know, his coverage grades at PFF are pretty well, but that's more of, you know, he's covering the running backs coming out of the backfield. And so, like, a lot of his coverage stuff is like, okay, that's your coverage assignment, but it's still more see ball, get ball. It's more downhill stuff. So you know, he's somebody who brings a lot of athletic uh, athletic potential to the position. Um. Uh, Peyton Wilson from NC State. I mean, might have been the best linebacker in the country this year, but he's just has he's got such a rough injury history. Um, fifth or sixth mm. year guy. It's like, man, linebacker is such a physical position. If you could tell me that the dude's gonna stay healthy, even throughout just the rookie contract, it'd be like, all right, I'm in. But you just never know. Unfortunately, injuries are the worst part of this game, and and he's kind of had to suffer through a lot of them. So, you know, linebacker, there's some interesting ones, but I think that is a position that's probably not going to start get, getting picked until second round at best, but you're still going to see a lot of linebackers probably go like early day three area running back. Also another area where I think shoot Bishop Sankey came off the board in a 2014 draft as RB one at pick, I think 54. We might have that again this year. Like we mm. might not have a single running back come off of the top 50. So uh, if I think Jonathan Brooks from Texas was the one who was trending in that direction, but he tore his ACL in November. So it's like, yeah, we had a guy that we loved, you know, he was, yeah. he was having a great year and he's still a great running back prospect, but it just kind of muddies up the, uh, the eval and where you think he's going to go. So I don't think we're going to get a running back, not just in the first round, but probably not in the top 50 uh, safety is another one. That's the last one I'll bring up where mm. if you need any sort of secondary help in the safety area, it's basically Tyler Newbin, Cam Kinchins, and then it's like, you know, a bunch of kind of like you know, f flavored players, you know. So um, I think that uh, that's that's kind of what you're looking for. If, if you don't get those two guys, then you get Kalen Bullock. I like it. When I say like flavor type of players, it's like, okay, is your flavor a rangy free safety kind of a player? Or is your, your flavor more of like, a, okay, I want a downhill thumper type of a player? Because there's players who can fit in those boxes, like those types of roles. But there's few that'll give you that true too high safety one can come down one can play deep on any given down so i think that uh those are the three positions that come to my mind where 
if he got a chance to get an impact one in free agency, probably go that direction. Steven, let me jump in real quick. Bishop Sankey drafted 54th overall in the 2014 draft. You are correct. Well done. There we go. Nice. The things that live in your brain. There we go. Yeah. If if only if only I could remember useful things, but I can remember where <laughs> it was useful in this moment. We're grateful for it. Uh, speaking of a bishop, I Cole Bishop, my guy, I have to give a shout out. Uh, I think he's a fantastic safety uh, from the University of Utah. Um, last question here, Trevor. Obviously, the All Star Circuit is coming up. Uh, Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl, where is really kind of where people like us really kind of dive into the draft. And so who are some names at either one that you're just like super fired up to go down and see? Uh, Cause I believe you're going in person to the shrine ball. Are you doing both this year or I am? Yeah, okay. no, I'm, I'm doing both. And there's a lot of really great players at both of them. I, honestly, I am really excited to specifically see the senior bowl defensive line versus offensive line group. I mean, it's one mm. of the most, most notable ones that happens every single year, right? You get the one-on-ones, the drills like that. But I mean, we have a stacked, defensive line group at the senior bowl this year i mean interior defensive linemen we got tamandre sweat um we've got um Dwayne carter byron murphy ruka rovero tyler davis like all these like brandon dorless i mean these, these are some of the best interior defensive linemen in a class let alone upperclassmen and they're yeah. all going to be there you got edge dudes adiza isaac from penn state who's the guy who plays opposite chop robinson not enough people know about darius robinson from missouri who is a powerful 4-3 defensive end who i think can make a lot of money in mobile honestly with his performances there you got Liatu latu who was without question the most prolific pass rusher in the country over the last two years almost a 25 percent pass rush win percentage this past year elite pass rush pff grade he's got basically every move already on film mm-hmm. in in his pass rush bag going into the nfl which you absolutely love to see and they're going up against offensive linemen you know like i mentioned uh, i mentioned um uh, Troy Fountainau is going to be there. Graham Barton's going to be there. Guy like Tyler Guyton, an offensive lineman who is super athletic, but okay, does he have the polish to be able to start right away? He's going to be a developmental guy. We're getting him for some first round buzz right now. Talize Fuaga from Oregon State, my dude. I absolutely love that guy. He is. I, I don't. I don't think he's going to go number five overall, but like he should be <laughs> talked about with Joe Alt and with Olu Fashanu as that best offensive tackle in the class. Just the way that he plays the game. It is a true. I am going to just not let you get any closer to my quarterback type of guy. And he wins first with power. Um, and then he figures the rest out once he locks you up. But that to that to me is the, the highlight right now is your, your Twitter timeline. Sorry, X, sorry. Uh, I will never call it X. I refuse. So, so, all due respect to Elon's purchase. <laughs> uh, your, your timeline is going to be filled with these D line one-on-one reps that we're going to see over the next couple of months. I think at both events, honestly. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. The chargers it's different this year because the chargers have a new general manager, but they routinely pick players from the senior bowl more than anyone else. I feel like, I mean, Jamari Sawyer, Zion Johnson, Trey McKitty, Josh Palmer, all these guys appeared at the senior bowl did well. They picked them. So excited to see who that is this year, but again, things could change with the new GM. Yep. Yeah. And it's, I think this year specifically there is going, there, there's going to be so much hype for these senior bowl players, because not only are you going to have the regular highlight tape, but like, you're going to have to have, you're going to have those practice clips as well. And that's something that I love about both the shrine bowl and the senior bowl is you get to watch these players operate in a brand new environment and to me that's really worth it you are dropping this guy into a 
new system, new coaches, new teammates, and you are basically able to see whose talent stands out immediately right away. And it's a really cool environment. And that's not to say that you don't appreciate the guys who maybe a little bit slower start on day one of practice, really kicking ass in day three. You appreciate that as well because it shows you that quick progression from players. But there's so many valuable things to learn about the Senior Bowl. And so those are two two ways that people stand out that uh, the Chargers and, and obviously every team's going to be paying close attention to. Yeah, I'm really excited to see uh, these younger guys, the the new rule where these underclassmen can go down and perform you know your guys like jackson powers johnson byron murphy guys who could be first round players go down there's underclassmen should be really fun uh and then the quarterbacks too i mean you get bo nicks and michael Penix as teammates down in mobile uh you know there's been some rough quarterback years i think this should be a, a good quarterback year in mobile so i'm really excited about that group as well um trevor this has been awesome man i uh, can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us today chargers fans you'll see trevor again on this channel next month we're really excited to have him on the show to help cover the draft. And uh, we're very grateful for his time. So Trevor, uh, what do you guys have coming down the line at PFF at the stock exchange? Where can people find you? All that good stuff. Go f uh, feel free and uh, plug away as they say. Yeah. Like you mentioned, we're going to be uh, live from the shrine bowl and the senior bowl coming up over the next couple of weeks. Uh, and so we're going to have as many of those practice clips and analysis as, as, as you're going to be able to find all that good stuff's over at PFF.com. And then, Obviously, after your wonderful listeners listen and watch this show, then they can come and watch the NFL Stock Exchange podcast with myself and Connor Rogers, where we'll be continuing to dive deep into this NFL draft class, getting you ready for the NFL draft. Yeah, 100%. Uh, like, like Trevor said, if you are a draft nerd, even if you're not a draft nerd, if you're just kind of diving in, uh, definitely recommend you go check out Trevor and Connor Rogers over at the Stock Exchange uh, Trevor, this has been great, man. We uh, really appreciate your time and we'll see you next month. And uh, hopefully you have a great trip down to Texas and Alabama to yeah. uh, cover those bowls. So appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. I'm excited to, uh, to get back with you next month. All right. Uh, welcome back. Uh, Tyler, any, anything stand out to you? I think there's been a lot of increased dialogue on social media about the draft. People are really starting to form opinions about that. Was there something that you like, gravitated towards of Trevor's or something that you really disagreed with during our conversation with him. I don't know if intentional, but when discussing the corners, I couldn't help but notice that McKinstry took a while to be mentioned. There was a certain mm -hmm. trio mentioned and then a couple other names and then also Kool-Aid McKinstry. I don't know yeah. what his ranking is. Could have asked, but we'd have been here for two and a half hours talking prospect rankings, but I, that one is curious to me. So I'm, I'm curious where he'd have them. But I think the biggest takeaway is that this is another deep wide receiver class that he does feel that outside of a, you know, there won't be another Puka Nakua breaking rookie record sort of thing, but it is a deep class. And it is important to remember that when considering, let's say even the Chargers in the first round or the second round, if they go some other non-wide receiver position in the first round, and then they have to go center in the second round, they can find a wide receiver later on. And so I think it was neat that he said that it could be another class like the last one and believe it or not chargers fans and all fans and all people who are ready for their team to draft a player there are rounds beyond the first round so they don't have to take a certain position in the first round except for brock bowers is a complete unicorn in this class yeah that's the that's the one i, I think uh, a large conversation about the draft every single year is like okay if you miss out on this player who can you get in the later rounds that can replicate maybe not a hundred percent but maybe that's 70 percent of that player you know, we, we do a, a conversation every year about that. And 
you know, I, I think this wide receiver class, you know, maybe you don't get a Malik Neighbors, but maybe you get Xavier Worthy in the second round kind of conversation, or maybe you miss out on Romo, Romo Dunze, but you get Tez uh, Washington from North Carolina in the second round instead. So I, I think that is part of the conversation here. If you miss out on offensive tackle, can you get one in the second round? If you miss out on an edge rusher, can you get one in the second round? Cornerback, stuff like that. Um, I think that's always an underrated part of, of the draft conversation is, is, you know, if you can't get that first player, if you decide to trade back from taking that player, who can you get in the second and third rounds? And, and it sounds like thankfully for the charters that a lot of their positions of need have really deep classes that, that this year, and I've really only started to dive in a little bit to day two guys here, but it sounds like wide receiver corner edge rusher, defensive tackle offensive line those are all groups that are very deep and the chargers could certainly find some impact players on day two if they play this right uh in april yeah i'll take trevor's word of that for sure i'm excited to dive into these players a bit more and see who there is out there yeah but yeah i think uh the chargers are set up really nicely i think the conversation about training down i think can be a really realistic chance this year with how good these classes are later on uh, Tyler, any final thoughts about our conversation uh, with Trevor or any draft take that you want to kind of get out on the hot press, so to speak? No, I'm not ready for that yet. It's January. I'm starting to formulate my board. It's a it's a whopping 32, I think, so far. Um, but we'll, we'll slowly climb. I don't know how we always get to 150 or, or 200 each year. I <laughs> um, apologize to my wife in advance for locking myself in a room and watching nothing but film. Yeah, every single year I start my film process and like I'm only going to do like 100 this year and then I get to like 150 and I'm like, got to keep going, you know, got to got to get the board out there. So um, I love the draft, you know, obviously, the, you know, the season is the season, but just there's something different about, you know, studying a draft prospect and finding like what things they do well and how they could fit in certain offenses and sort of certain defenses and things like that. So I'm excited, man. It's a it's a good time to uh, dive into things. Um, obviously the chargers are at a bit of a coaching search, GM search right now. Um, we felt like we wanted to kind of take a step back as we waited for the rest of the news to, uh, come out over the next few days, few weeks, maybe, um, and, uh, dive into the draft. So hopefully you guys, uh, enjoyed the episode today. Appreciate Trevor again for coming on and we look forward to having him, him on, uh, next month as well. So, uh, we'll cover the coaching search and the GM search on our own channel, the guilty as charged podcast. Make sure to subscribe there. Subscribe here, like videos, comment, all that good stuff. We really appreciate you guys and all the support you've been doing the show uh, as always. So that's going to do it for us today. We'll see you later. As always, bolt up.